You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. I'm really excited to welcome back on the program speech and language pathologist Imogen Dean, who I think we last spoke to back in 2019. Uh, Imogen is back this time to talk about her first children's storybook, Easy for You to Say, which also doubles as a speech guide for carers and parents. Imogen, welcome back on the program and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Noreen. It's so good to see you again. Congratulations on your first book. This is a, an amazing sort of <laughs> pandemic project. Thank you. Yeah, it has been a little bit of a pet project. It's It's been in the works for a few years, so I think having the bit of extra time and less distractions during the pandemic was a really good time to get it all together and, and bring it to a finished product, which is really cool, really exciting to happen. Yeah, we're so pleased to hear that. So um, tell us a little bit about the story. What, what is it about? I know it follows a story of a, of a little girl called Boo and some of her adventures. Tell us about her. Yeah, so, so Boo is my main character and Boo is actually designed to be either a boy or a girl, depending on how you decide to look at the book. Of so I've not specified this throughout. I wanted to make it quite relatable for, for any child um, to be able to, to look at this character and maybe see something of themselves in it. Uh, so I have um, I've written this book that can be a storybook by itself where Boo looks out the window one day and, and it's rainy and, and it's a real shame because that was going to be Boo's adventure day. Um, but they decide that they're not going to let that stop them. So um, they jump in a boat and off they go on an adventure and they find this island and it's covered with all these very bizarre, chatty, bouncy creatures who are, are doing all sorts of things, falling out of trees and, and swimming in rivers and all kinds of actions. Um, and each of these little characters has sort of a little catchphrase that they use and it's made up of some silly words. And as Boo plays along, they try and copy these sounds that these funny creatures are making as they travel across the island. And these sounds are very useful when it comes to sort of speech development and language development. Yeah, they are. Do so... they mean anything? <laughs> well, not in themselves. <laughs> they are absolutely nonsense words. Um, but what's really uh, the way that I designed the book is that as uh, someone is reading along with a child, um, engaging the child in some shared book reading, which we know has massive gains for literacy, really, really strong indicators of, of both literacy and language development come with activities like shared book reading between parents and kids. Um, but the words that the characters say also each target a different speech sound. Um, so each different character has a different speech sound that they target and these silly words that they use uh, have a chance to show us the target sound in the initial position, so at the start of the word, in the middle of the word, and also at the end of the word, which means that we can track if children are able to copy these sounds and see if they are on track with their speech development. Imogen, where did this idea come from? This came to me when I was still in university, actually, and I was in Australia. I was working in a community health centre and we had very limited opportunities for assessment of new children. So we had a waiting list of nine months. This was in a regional area and we had one assessment slot available to us each week. Um, so there was there were a lot of parents wanting to get their children seen for an assessment and we were trying to do the best that we could, but unfortunately we just didn't have the time or the resources to, to screen all of these kids. Um, and so what happened is that we had this really valuable assessment time slot and sometimes a child would come in and they had errors in their speech, it's true, but these errors were developmentally normal. 
So the child wasn't experiencing any sort of speech delays because, as, as you may know, speech is not an all-or-nothing process. It develops over time and certain errors are appropriate up to certain ages, um, which can make it quite confusing if you don't really know what you're looking for. So we had parents bringing their child in um, with their best intentions at heart, but in the end, these children didn't really need that time slot. And it was, it was a time that could have been given to a child who did need the intervention. So I thought, how can I help to empower parents and educators and, and uh, carers to be able to kind of have more of an idea of what is normal for my child at this age? What should they be doing? What is it okay if they're not quite doing yet? Um, which is where the idea for this book came from. And many of the children here in Hong Kong may be bilingual or trilingual. So that what sort of an impact does that have on speech development? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the kids here, like you say, do have these multiple languages that they're using, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, in terms of speech development, we can see, depending on which languages are used and how much they're used in certain situations, that there may be a bit of transfer um, of patterns from one language to a second language, so whether that be from Cantonese to English or English to Cantonese, um, we can see a bit of a transfer between those. So this book is written based on English norms, but the the acquisition of speech sounds is from worldwide data. So some of the patterns are more targeted towards English-speaking children who are monolingual or primarily English, um, but the development of sounds is based on international um, studies from all different languages around the world. Yeah, and I think one thing that we should talk about is early intervention. Early intervention is key for, for many things, especially when you've got that golden period for children to acquire language and speech, which is why so many parents are, are worried, oh, are they hitting those milestones? And, and sometimes for Frankly speaking, parents don't even know what these sort of developmental speech milestones are. You mentioned just now, Imogen, some great points that there are some sounds that they're not supposed to be making at 18 months or at two years. Um, and, and how does your book sort of help uh, carers and, and parents? Because some of the parents work full time. How does it help carers to, to know as to what sounds are age appropriate? Absolutely. So as I was mentioning before, these animals have the, the silly words that they say and through the joint, the shared book reading experience, we aim to get the child trying to say these words. Now, they're nonsense words. It doesn't matter if they say them correctly or incorrectly. We're just listening out for these particular sounds. And what I encourage parents to do once their child is familiar with the book and is able to give some of these words a go is to turn to the back of the book um, Perhaps they audio record to give them a bit of extra backup uh, so they can go back and listen to what their child was saying. And they can go to the back of the book where there's a guide for parents and it goes through each of these speech sounds uh, that's targeted. And you can tick um, whether your child is producing this, in what positions. And I've also listed some of the common errors there um, with the ages that we would expect those to start dropping off. So you might see that the first time it's targeted at children from three to four. So let's say you're reading it with your three-year-old. They might have errors that you tick in the back of the book and, and I've got a little key there that says, oh, for this age, this is appropriate. But if you were to read the book with a child who was four years old and they had the same errors, um, the key would say, oh, this is a little bit... Uh, outdated for the child's age so it may 
be that they might benefit from seeing a speech therapist. Yeah, and sometimes, depending on the child's age, they'll, they'll hit that magic month and they'll be able to produce those sounds. I remember uh, my eldest daughter, She for the longest time she couldn't say dog, she would say gog. Um, <laughs> and then suddenly, right before two years, she was able to say dog, we're like, hooray! That's and- it, and there's so much development that happens at that time, isn't it? It can just be magical to watch it happen. It's really fantastic. So the book is for three to four years because that's generally before that it's okay if you're making any sort of errors and and of course in that time we're just encouraging communication and we're showing the child the worth of what they've got to say um, and that that what they're saying is is valuable whether it's you know produced correctly or not Um, and so going from three years on we can start to track that a bit more closely and start to kind of think okay how can we help them to have the most effective communication the best communication yeah and Imogen you bought the book it's so beautifully illustrated can you uh, read maybe an excerpt for our listeners (laughs) of course I can yeah Caroline was my illustrator Caroline Lewington and she did an incredible job Um, I love the vibrancy that she brought to all the pictures Uh, so One of my favourite pages is when Boo climbs up a mountain and they meet a yodelling goat. Um, So I would be happy to read that page for you. Feeling hot and bothered, Boo continued up the mountain. After a time, a shower of small pebbles came bouncing down off the rocks. A strange sound could be heard up above, and Boo followed it to the very top of the peak. There a goat stood perched on the edge of a rock, bellowing into the valley below. Aha, said the goat, you must be my first yodeling student. All right now, take a deep breath and repeat after me. It's just a yup, yup, yo-yo-hoo, yay! That's easy for you to say, hollered Boo, red in the face. (laughs) I love the sounds and, you know, it makes the children just pick up their, you know, their ears to, to pick up on those words and they'll want to say, yep, yep. Um, Imogen, what did you learn along the way? I know this book is uh, self-published. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what did you learn along the way? It's, uh, did you have any experience in this area before? <laughs> Noreen, I learned everything. <laughs> I went into this um, with, with a vague idea and not much else. So I was really fortunate to have some people in Hong Kong who had been through the process of publishing books before who were able to give me some guidance. Um, and it's been a really nice full circle because now I've got some people that I know who are looking to publish their own book and I'm able can, to support them yes. in that way. It's, you know, the circle of life here. Exactly. Um, but it was all a very new experience. So uh, commissioning an illustrator and figuring out how to take that from our, our document that we put together, you know, so lovingly and, and make that into a physical copy. And I was lucky enough to find a printer in Hong Kong who was just absolutely fantastic and so helpful and really helped to guide me through the process. So I had a lot of help along the way and I took it baby step after baby step until we came to this end product. What did you learn um, along the way from the start of the publishing process to now seeing your book on the shelves of bookstores? Oh, well, I learned a lot of technical skills um, and I fudged through some others. <laughs> Fake it till you make it exactly. in some regards. Um, but I think I think what's made the biggest impact on me is just 
learning and understanding how uh, how open and how willing people are to to give something like this small project a shot. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have such a great reception from it and have, you know, have a feature in Sassy Mama, which is fantastic. And, and the fact that my book is in a real life bookstore, it's, yeah. been, it's been really fantastic to um, just see how open people are and how willing and excited people are able to get about, about a project like this. Yeah, it's amazing that you have a guide at the end of your book. So after the children and the parents and their carers and even educators having enjoyed the story they can then have a guide um it because it can be quite overwhelming for parents who really don't know where to start i mean what sorts of suggestions do you have um for parents who have that sort of feeling that perhaps something isn't quite right or they are worried that might be a speech delay uh, issue so I think a really great resource for parents is often the teachers or the preschool preschool teachers that they've got available to them because um, for a lot of parents they might know, for example, it, maybe it's their first child and they're feeling a bit lost. They don't know where to go first or what should be expected at a certain age or perhaps their first child developed in a different way to their second child, which is also something that I hear a lot, you know, or by the time my my first son was this age, he was doing this and that Shouldn't and now my second there. one isn't. And a, you know, and each child is so different. And, and obviously comes with their own set of unique skills and, and their own growth rate and development. So I think being able to talk to preschool educators, school teachers and voice those concerns and open that dialogue is a really, really great resource for parents um, because these are people who know child development, know that the child in question and might be able just to support parents to figure out, hey, is, is this something that... Um, that you've noticed this is something you've got concerns about and obviously from there we've got a lot of support here available in Hong Kong um, really fortunate to have the public services in the private sector so there is uh, there's definite pathways that we can go to from there but I think definitely making make use of your your teachers your child's educators because they're really clued into what what kids are, are up to and where the kids are in their development. Yeah, Imogen, as a, as a speech pathologist, what about this issue of COVID? I've seen that because of COVID, many uh, children aren't really socialising as much. And then, of course, there's that mask wearing. And part of, I think, language acquisition is really, uh, apart from sort of hearing, is also the, the visual cues, the, the lip reading. Is that having some sort of an impact on how children, how young children are, are learning languages? Yeah, absolutely. And I think personally, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of research into this in the coming years of what the effects yeah, of this actually have been. Yeah, I saw a few been. studies on yeah. sort of the mask wearing and the effects of that on on speech. The yeah. mask wearing in particular. I mean, there's a reason that all the words for for mum and dad in different languages sound kind of familiar. They've got lots of these m mm and the b and the p sounds in the mama, papa, abba, papa. You know, and so the kids use these sounds first because. Partly because these are ones that they can see. You know, a sound like k occurs right back in the back of your throat, and it's a lot and harder for children to get those, uh, yeah, yeah, to get those hard. visual cues for that. So that's why that's part of the reason why these bilabial, the, the two lips coming together, so mm, b, they're bilabial sounds. Why these ones occur first, and that's also why we connect them to words like mum and dad or mama, papa, baba. And so with kids not being able to get that visual feedback. 
you know, that's a whole, we, we know that kids learn in multi-sensory ways. Everyone learns in multi-sensory ways. And it's just taking away that element of the, the visual support. Um, so I think finding opportunities to be communicating with your child face-to-face -face without a mask in the home, in a safe environment, uh, and giving them that opportunity to really look and see what's going on on your face. Um, because aside from that, we have all the other things that come with nonverbal communication. You like know, our, our hands. Yeah, yeah our hands, uh, our smile. Smile, the way that we the way that we move our mouth and, and our face as we speak, um, it all ties into communication because we know that communication is not just the sounds that we make or the words that we say, it's the everything that goes into getting a message across to another person. So finding time to have time with your mask off and talking to, to especially to young children is really important in, in a time like this. Yeah. Well, Imogen, I'm sure our listeners would love to get their hands uh, on your book. Um, how can they find out more about you and your work and how can they find out more about your book? Where is it available and how can they find you on social media? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Imogen Dean Speech Language Pathology. I've also got a website, ImogenDeanSLP.com. Um, I've got copies of the book available there, and you can also find it in various bookazine branches around Hong Kong. It's also on their online shop. So there's a few places that you can you can either go to get the book, or if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, shoot me a message via my, my web page or my Facebook page, and I would be more than happy to chat. Excellent. Well, Imogen Dean, thank you so much for your sharing today. And for our listeners, you can head on to Bookazine or you can contact Imogen for a copy of her book, Easy for You to Say, which also doubles up as a speech and language guide for parents, educators and carers. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Noreen.